With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This, this, this is, 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 is Fight Disciples. We are gathered here today for the Fight Disciples UFC and Boxing Talk. Welcome to podcast episode number 305. We are the Fight Disciples. This one's dedicated to the world of boxing. Uh, If you've only just come across us and fancy subscribing to this weekly nonsense, please do so via iTunes. Just hit the button there and you'll get something in your feed near enough every day, especially this week with it being a Tyson Fury fight week. If you need an Android feed, it's all on our website, fightdisciples.com. Get yourself on there. And we're all over social media as well. We'd love you to come and follow us there, at Fight Disciples on Facebook and Twitter, at The Fight Disciples on Instagram. The reason why it's different is because we fucked up at the back end of last year, so we had to set up a new account. That's why the follow account is law. We... I fucked up at the end of last year whilst I was in LA watching Tyson Fury, put a bit of dodgy stuff up on there. It ended up getting taken down. So we set up a new account. So if you followed the old account, it's no longer up. Follow the new one at the Fight Disciples. And that's kind of a nice place for us to start the show. I know we've got a bit of boxing to talk about and obviously the build up to Tyson Fury's fight week this week, which we're going to get stuck into. But what I want to do, I want to start off with a bit of a thank you because... Last week, last week's boxing show is our most listened to show of all time. Just to put it into perspective, it did on its own the same amount of listens that we normally do over the whole week combined. It was absolutely mental. A lesson for us is that when someone gets beat, we do well. (laughs) So thank you very much. If if you've been with us for a long period of time uh, and you keep coming back week after week after week, listen. You're one of us. You're a fight disciple. We, we, You know the score. You're here every single week for this. But if you're brand new, if this is something that you've only just discovered, thank you very much for giving us a try and hopefully you enjoyed it and hopefully you're back for a second week. Trust me, if Tyson Fury gets bingoed at the weekend, next week's show is going to be fucking mega. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so thank you very much for coming along. And one thing I wanted to say as well is that if you've been writing reviews uh, on iTunes, which has helped us with chart positions and various things like that, Again, thank you very much, but one has caught my eye. Now, randomly last week, again, if you listen to this regularly, you'll know that neither of our wives listens to the show, which is probably a good thing. But because my wife was messing about on her own podcast feed, she spotted Fight Disciples were doing quite well. She went, hey, oh, fucking Billy Big Bollocks is doing okay here. Let's go and have a little bit of a nosy of his podcast. So she went and listened to last week's episode. Funnily enough, she enjoyed it randomly. Wow. And then she started looking at all the reviews of which people have left us. And she spotted one from A. Hewitt 12, which was left last Thursday. Check this out for review. I was in fucking hysterics, which has kind of inspired me to ask you a question at the end of this. So, so listen to this, right? This is what A. Hewitt has written uh, in, uh, in, in the reviews on iTunes. <clears throat> Top podcast. <clears throat> Been on the bandwagon since about episode 250. So, surly, so fairly late to the party. I only listen to the boxing one as I'm not really an MMA fan, but love the boxing podcast. My only criticism will be that there should be some type of Fight Disciples glossary so you can tell what the fuck they're talking about. (laughs) Example would be, have a knock equals 
have a fight. Yes. There you go. You see, it's nice. Um, from Adam, please read this in his accent. We and sin. Translated with and seen. As in, have you seen Yard's fight with Kovalevis off? Nice. He's got he's got that going on there. Yep, got it. The Mohooker sock. Sperm receptacle. <laughs> Throwing shade. To publicly criticise, denounce or disrespect. Red panty party. A celebration of particular achievement with one's significant other usually culminating in intercourse. <laughs> this has got to carry on. This is fucking brilliant. We've got to carry this on now. So if you're listening to this show and we say something that you're thinking to yourself, what the fuck does that mean? Well, you kind of know what it means because we'll say it always in context. Yep. So you'll kind of figure it out yourself. But, eat, but tweet them to us yeah, at yeah. Fight Disciples. And we, what we'll do, we'll make something for the website. We'll put like a, a blog post on yeah. there. Yeah. Subtitles. Fight Disciples. <laughs> subtitles. Get that stitched. There Here's one. There you go. There's one. Would you like to explain it? Get that stitched means, fuck me, that is. <laughs> Someone <laughs> just got punched on the chin. Someone took that clean. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Get that stitched. <clears throat> so thank you very much if you've been writing reviews to us. Much appreciated. Um, also, seeing as that you've just mentioned the more hooker sock, eh? He's announced his fight with Jose Ramirez to unify the super lightweight division. And we've decided to bring out some new merchandise. Over to the head of uh, retail... <laughs> the, the, mighty, the mighty Mo socks are yeah. available now, yeah. and I tell you what, <clears throat> they're not fucking cheap to get made socks. Let me tell you. So, oh, is that what you're doing? You, you're explaining <laughs> the cost to the, for the retail cheap. price. Well, it's not like I just went and bought a load of fucking soccer sports shitty white socks, yeah. and got someone to stitch our logo on the side. I actually, some got, Donny, get some Donny, get some Donny socks, socks, and just get yeah. the Fight Disciples logo slapped over the top. Yeah, I actually got these made by yeah. a sock maker. Yeah, yeah. So. That's why they're, uh, that's people, why they're people are only going to have a wank in them. They're not going to. They're not going to wear them. Don't know, you know. Don't know. I've seen. A, I've seen. Do you want myself in them? Yeah. Do you want to explain what you did on Saturday night? Oh fucking hell! How funny was that? Your face was a picture. So we were making a we were making a, a show for a national broadcaster at the weekend. So I was meeting Adam at the studio, and even though my wife absolutely went ballistic when she seen how I was walking out the front door. I actually left the house, travelled to the studio, parked my car, walked through a busy city centre to get to said studio to meet him there, even though people were giving me funny looks. And I was wearing Mohooker socks. Yep. Brand new Fight Disciples, not yet seen by the public, shorts. <laughs> a Fight Disciples polo t-shirt, also not yet released. A Fight Disciples hoodie and the Fight Disciples logo baseball cap, which, if you're listening now, were available from Monday morning. So I was literally, I looked like you're a full the Fight Disciples it. monster that just took a shit on me. Yeah. Everything I had on pretty much was Fight Disciples logoed up, and your face was a picture. You full were kit, weren't you? Full kit. Literally full kit wanker, yeah. Mm. Full kit wanker indeed. Looks well, though. Half that stuff now available on our website, hoodies. Yes. T-shirts, hats, and more hooker socks. The the Fight Disciples signature more hooker sock. Get yourself on there. Uh, by the way, I'm flying out to Vegas this week for Tyson yeah. Fury. I'm meeting up with Moore's people, uh, and we will be passing over some merchandise. So make sure you f- uh, you follow Mighty More Hooker mm-hmm. on Instagram. One hundred percent, he'll have his socks on uh, by this time next week. He'll have, he, he'll have he, the gear on. If he fights in them socks, can you imagine? That's it. Can World title it? unification. He's got his more hooker spunk socks on. If he fights Ramirez, honestly, in July and wears Mo Hooker socks in the ring, and why wouldn't he? The fucking quality socks. Yeah. Mate, that's it. That's fucking, we've done. Yeah, but hang on. We've we are the, kiss, the game. No, no, no. We are the kiss of death on everybody. Everybody we have a picture taken, we, 
we are the Drake of the world of boxing. So if we hang out with him, if we give you an interview, if we do a little bit of a, a chat with you, you end up getting beat. That's basically what it is. If we give Moore some socks and he loses his world title in his very next fight... He'd probably fucking slip in them. <laughs> probably slip in the, in the changing rooms. That's it. Mm. Um, a, a little bit of fighting at the weekend, not as much as obviously the weekend previous with Anthony Joshua's shot defeat to Andy Ruiz. By the way, go and have a little bit of a listen to our conversation with Bob Arum which oh, is available yeah. on our feed at this moment in time. If you subscribe and you'll, you'll hear uh, a phone call conversation that we had with Bob Aaron over the weekend, and he goes in. He, he, does. Go, he does not pull any punches. He goes in on Anthony Joshua. Go and have a little bit of a listen to it. It's there for you. Uh, but the weekend, I suppose, all the focus was on Triple G, his first fight under his DAZN contract against Steve Rolls. First fight with new coach. Yeah. New, the new Triple G. He said he felt like a baby in there. Yeah? Yeah, that's what he said afterwards, yeah. Felt Listen, like a new baby. You can't change a thirty seven year old fighter, mate. No. I don't care I don't care who you are. To be he's, honest, the first, he's always gonna revert to type. The first two rounds I was like, Oh, what the fuck has happened? Got here? tagged up a bit in that second round, didn't it? He did, yeah. Rolls was having a good old go. Hmm. Of course I'm on a decent left hook. Uh, I think it was in the second round and then he had a little bit of success early on, but then sometimes that can be the worst thing against someone like Golovkin because once he gets into his rhythm and into his slipstream you going to get fucked up. One thing that I've found with Golovkin, not necessarily in the Canelo fights, but just in all of his other fights, once he's felt your very, very best, yeah. your very best, which Rolls gave him in his second round, yeah, and it doesn't hurt him, he just goes, fuck it. He goes full Terminator, and he just walks through you, and yeah. that's what you saw, uh, three and four. He just decided, right, it doesn't matter now. Um, his defences weren't great, Golovkin, but no. it didn't really matter because what was coming back wasn't hurting him. And the shot that finished it was uh, an absolute piece of beautiful but it wasn't art. Even, it wasn't necessarily the shot that finished it. It was that left hand that started the finish. Yeah. It wasn't actually the final punch, but that weird left hook come cross down. Palm down, isn't it? It's, it's so strange. He throws it over the top of the guard, but then he punches down like fucking 12 o'clock to 6 o'clock. It's weird. Hmm. It's a weird punch. It's the type of punch that most kids would see. And then go to the gym and be like, oh, if you try and throw that against the heavy bag, you'd, be, you'd fall over your with, own feet. And yeah, everything. but with power as well. well. That's what I mean. To perfect that actual shot is so unique to him. Such a unique Golovkin style. No one else in boxing is throwing that shot at the moment. Mm. Or certainly throwing it with the kind of venom he has. And obviously it just caught rolls out, hit him on the chin, sent him onto easy streets. And then once he fell up against the ropes, that was it. Then it was a right hand and then a straight left down the middle, down mm. the pipe. And it was game over for Mr. Rolls. But until that point... Also, give Rolls some credit. He was 19 and 0 going into the fight. You know, it was a decent level opponent. I know there was no belt on the line, but there doesn't always have to be a belt on the line. But again, if I'm if I'm Canelo watching that, I'm like, Canelo took Golovkin's best shots. He took shots like that, yeah, and came through it. And that's all I kept thinking. You know, when uh, when Golovkin were whacking him, I was thinking, how how good is Canelo's chin? Mm-hmm. Because it wasn't like Canelo was dodging and weaving out of everything. He not, took some the serious time. knocks. The he first took- time. Colo- he tried, Canelo tried to beat him on the back foot and was slipping a lot of shots but not really committing but in the second he fight met him Canelo on. fucking walked him down and was taking those big shots and just kept coming mm. so obviously he was jacked up to the eyeballs got concrete that's in his thing. beard that's what it is mate it's fuck, fuck. bit of plaster of Paris on his chin he had, don't forget he had uh, he had some tainted beef in his system did he? he had tainted beef in his system so mm. Mm. well part three is inevitable you would imagine that it's I would have thought happen. so now, yeah, yeah. Oscar's come out and he's giving it the big and saying, listen, go and win yourself a belt and then we might be able to do it. Listen, Nonsense. there's enough dough on the table. September, I see you for a big drama show. The only thing is, first one, Golovkin won. Second one, you can make an argument for a draw, maybe a Canelo win, but I'd Canelo still go... Canelo won the second one. Well, 
I'd, I'd make an argument for a draw. Mm-hmm. I don't think uh, Golovkin's been beaten yet off Canelo. I think if they do it a third time, I think he'll be convincingly beat. I really do. With watching what I saw at the weekend, yeah, I just think Canelo now is in a is in a top rhythm, and I think that he will convincingly beat Triple G next time out. Yeah, I think um, I think obviously Triple G definitely won the first fight. I was happy. I don't I don't remember thinking back now to a year ago. I don't remember being necessarily... It wasn't actually a year ago, was it? Six months ago? Mm. I wasn't actually... <clears throat> I don't remember being... Vo- Outraged. Outrageous. I, and I don't remember arguing that it was probably a draw either, so I think I was quite happy that Canelo won. It's 1-1, that's it. That's why the rubber match needs to happen. Mm. It's 1-1, they need to get it on. And they and, and Team Golovkin can't wait until May. You know, the, the fucking clock is certainly ticking. It's got to happen in September, which is not great for the likes of Callum Smith, who was hoping to try and get in there, but I think they'll do... What makes most money financially what most makes most financial sense, and Golovkin Part Three has certainly got to be the biggest fight out there for Alvarez in, in September. Mm. You would have thought. Are you on the same thought process that you think Canelo will win the yes. the, the final one? Yes, I've I, I seen nothing against Steve Rolls, but then I, I don't think I, I would have seen anything against Steve Rolls necessarily. That makes me think that Golovkin has suddenly turned back the clock ten years. He's still got the power. Absolutely. But we've seen Canelo take that I've power. I've seen Canelo take that power, yeah. And, that, and that's the issue at the moment. It's like he can't be changed that much at this stage in his career where he's going to do something Canelo can't expect. Mm. Whereas in the second fight, Canelo changed his game plan, done something completely different, mm. something that Golovkin didn't expect, and that's how he won the second fight, in my opinion. Mm. Uh, did you catch any of Oscar Valdez at the weekend? Because well, it was not on British telly, mate. Well, neither was fucking Golovkin. Yeah. It's a stream Golovkin yeah. as well. For those that want to know, he has got one of them boxes. Yeah, he has. Yeah. Via Sweden, I think it is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> just on the Golovkin card, because I watched the whole Golovkin card. Every fight disciple just go, go on, Nick, go on, lad. You can trust the scouser to get himself a dodgy box. <laughs> the uh, Nikita <laughs> Ababli. 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 Right. Nikita Ababli. This big fucking... Um, how can I describe him? A big, tall Justin Bieber-looking motherfucker. Right. He fought on the Golovkin undercard. Um, I think he went 5-0 and with five straight knockouts, first-round knockouts. Even the commentary team were taking the piss out of him because he just looks like a you know, a little teeny bopper. But uh, he put this kid to kip. <laughs> I just thought, he's decent. I'll keep an eye on him. That was on the Golovkin undercard, though, sorry. You're talking about white chocolate now, aren't you? White chocolate I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, that abba-babbly. Yeah. Abba-babbly. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of Oscar Valdez, no, I've seen little bits of highlights, but I haven't seen the full fight just because, as you say, it wasn't on British TV mm. uh, and it was nowhere. I think ESPN had it on, but I don't know whether they had it on ESPN Plus, which means they probably locked it down mm. from streams or anything. But uh, for all intents and purposes, listen, the thing with Valdez at the moment, don't forget, after the fight with Scott Quigg and the broken jaw situation and all that, which was a bit shitty because Scott weighed him very heavy and all that kind of stuff. But don't forget, he changed his coaching team then, kicked his coaches out, got in, uh, Canelo's team. He works with that, that same group now. This was his second fight with that team. Uh, I think now we need to see him kick on because he's had two gimme opponents for this WBO world title belt now. Jason Sanchez, you know, is he, he's not one of the top guys in the world. He's not top ten in the featherweight division. So one, we even need Valdez to go back in. Now there's talk of Frampton mm-hmm. go back in with a legit contender, which would be great for Frampton, of course. You know, to jump straight back into a world title fight. But there's also talk about Valdez looking sluggish at the weekend and now he might move up to super featherweight. Now that's a whole different world with the fucking Josh Taylors and the, you know, the monsters up in that weight class. Mm. So 
quite concerning for them. The um, for me, it would be wonderful if Frampton can get that knock because, as everybody knows, Frampton's made uh, a new TV deal with the guys over at ESPN. He's gonna from the chats that we've been having with him, he's yeah. been talking late summer. Not just Taylor Bearchelt, of course. Javonta Davis, they, they're yeah. all fucking super feather. Sorry, yeah. The, um, super lightweight, so I was thinking. The, uh, he's looking late July, August time for his first. And that won't be a mega, mega name. No. That's just going to be, right, get yourself back in the win column after your defeat with Josh Warrington. Yeah. And then the chat is, I mean, this seems re- really realistic from a Frampton point of view. He thinks that he can get that uh, Valdez fight by the end of the year. Yeah. Now... You've just been alluding to the fact his post-fight interview where he's he's talking about weight. We had an interesting conversation with Tiafimo at the weekend, actually, regarding weight, didn't we? Uh-huh. Uh, but Valdez was kind of making those same noises about weight that it seems to be a little bit of a struggle for him. Yes. Right at this moment in time. Well, he's been a career featherweight, and that's the problem. You know, he turned pro in 2012. Mm. So he's been a career featherweight for seven years, you know, he's like, since he was 21. So at some stage in life, especially when you've been a world champion as well, because you get some good living when you're a world champion, you know, you get some good money in the bank. So it wouldn't be surprised if he did move up, but then would Frampton accommodate that as well? Would Frampton go, okay, well, if you're going up and there's a potential title on the line? Because he's WBO champion, so he would go up and there'd be an opportunity to fight for the WBO belt. Is that Bearchelt, though, who's got Mm. the WBO belt? I'm not sure. But you would want to... Frampton... Don't get me wrong. Frampton's been through Bantam, Super Bantam, and now he's up at Feather, right? You, yeah. you, you. He would want to, I would think, fight win a title at Feather. Yeah. yeah, because of the potential of then unifying a division against someone like Josh Warrington if he comes through his fight with Barry at the weekend, or if Barry comes through, it's still an all English domestic dust up. You've still got Leo Santa Cruz in that mix. I think Frampton would want to win a title at this weight rather than move up uh, and chase Oscar Valdez. The only reason why he's talking about Oscar Valdez now, I think is because he is a title holder at this particular weight. Because yeah. Oscar Valdez is no mug. He's a proper no. fighter, you know what I mean? Well, you're, yeah. you're in for a proper night's work. Well, after Quig, didn't we? We said that's the that was the toughest route for Josh Warrington. It would be like, avoid Oscar Valdez and meet him like at the end to unify all the belts. Takes tough. a few years off your career. He does. But then, his last two performances since Quig, certainly this one at the weekend, for all intents and purposes, everything I'm reading and the bits that I've seen, he didn't look like the same monster that fought Scott Quigg. He didn't look like the same guy that was, you know, putting people away and setting the kind of tempo which just fucking sets the world on fire. Mm. He does look a little bit sluggish. Now, again, it takes time to adjust to a new coaching setup. But, this was a, you know, he's had two fights now with his new coaching team, with the Reynosos. So, I'd like to have seen something a bit more explosive. A bit more weekend, A bit more of a statement, especially when Warrington fights this coming weekend. You know, you... Look at the way Wilder made the statements ahead of the Joshua fight. You know, Wilder does his business. Now over to you, Joshua. Pressure's on you. Valdez does the business here. Then he goes, boom, there you go. It nice early knockout for me. Made a statement against an undefeated fighter. I'm back to me best. Warrington fights next week. Let's see how he gets on. Mm. That that gets, a, gets everybody talking. But unfortunately, you know, one, it wasn't even on fucking British TV. This is the other thing as well that upset me about the lack of Golovkin and Valdez being on British TV, period. Now, I'm surprised about the Golovkin thing because it's a disowned deal. So I go- thought that they had a relationship with Sky. I go- thought that it would have popped up. Golovkin versus Canelo, one and two. Mm. We got them for free, didn't we? Did we, did we pay pay-per-view for them? I think they were pay-per-view. There you go. So that makes it even worse. So if Sky have now gone, you know what? Nah, fuck it. We're not paying the zone for that Golovkin thing. Not interested. And yet in September, they kind of go... 
come on, the third fight, come and watch this pay-per-view, come on Skybox office. But like, you cheeky bastards. You now want us to pay to watch Golovkin when you didn't you couldn't even be asked putting him on fucking normal sky in his last fight to set this fight up. And now you want us to pay box office? That that and likewise, Oscar Valdez with the deal, that top rank that they've got with Frank and That'll be BT. Both Box Nation and BT. You've got two opportunities there to put on Box Nation or BT. Again, Valdez, if he fights Frampton next, or if he fights Warrington, Warrington next. They'll probably try and build that into a pay-per-view with this new BT Sport model. And you feel like, oh, wait a minute, cheeky bastards. You want us to pay pay-per-view for Valdez versus Warrington now at the end of this year, or Frampton, at the end of this year, even though you didn't even give Valdez, you didn't even bother putting Valdez's last fight on. At the weekend, when I'm trying to find streams, that's what I was thinking. Going, yeah, fucking, you'll see when, when you try and put them on pay-per-view next time then. If people go, I don't know who Oscar Valdez is. Well, you missed the trick now. Should have put them on fucking when you had the opportunity. Um, we're going to be speaking a lot about pay-per-view and box office on our Mixed Martial Arts show, so make sure you uh, download that as well and get yourself stuck in because there's been developments uh, on certain UFC uh, pay-per-view events, which we know a little bit of information of, so we'll pass that on to you in a moment or two. Right. Anthony Yard ain't getting his four million quid. I'm gutted. I'm gutted for the kid because, you know what I mean, he called their bluff. He did, big fucking style. They've come out and they said, right, okay, mandatory situation, we'll go to Russia, shall we? We'll give you four million notes, sign on the dotted line and come and fight Kovalev in his backyard. Anthony Yard has got his bollocks out, stuck them all on the table and said, go on then, fuck it, I'll have it. Turns out that the Russians were full of shit. Uh, there is a an emergency purse bid. I love that. When they when they use the word emergency before a purse bid, there's an emergency purse bid uh, taking place on Tuesday of this week. I don't know when you're listening to this podcast, uh, but it will have happened on Tuesday. So you might already have that information as to what happened in the, in the purse bid. I would imagine that Frank's getting a little bit fed up with all this bullshit and I won't... He might put his hand in his pocket. BT Sports might put their hand in the pocket uh, in order to get that purse. But one thing is for sure. Tomorrow, I think it is. June the 11th. What part of Tuesday did you not understand? Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to Today's Monday, we're recording. Now, you've got to understand that audiences consume this whenever they want to... Some people listen to this on Friday, Nicholas. (laughs) All right? Yeah? Yeah. Do you know when I speak, do you just like going, hey, fucking talking now, I'll shut up. (laughs) I'll switch off. Because I notice that you always go to your computer when I'm talking. Yeah. Just seeing James. Yes. James just texted and asked him what I wanted for me tea. I was just having a little think. Oh, my days. <laughs> this is what I'm fucking dealing with. If I'm not talking about merchandise, he ain't interested. <laughs> Tuesday of this week, <clears throat> yeah. emergency purse. June the 11th, that that's, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I would imagine that Frank or BT Sports might put their hand in the pocket because it's been going on for a little bit of uh, time. You might win that purse bid. However, one thing is for sure. Anthony Yard won't be getting four million pounds no. for that fight. He'll be getting maybe a career high payday, but he won't be getting four million. But he's points. got to fight. Kevlev has got to defend against Yard because he's the mandatory contender. Correct. So Correct. at least it's going to happen. Yes. You'd like to think. Yes. So this is all because the Russian investors were dodgy as fuck. Yeah, it said that a couple of minutes ago, Nick, yeah. when you were ordering your tea off your missus. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> now. Multi award winning this. Allegedly, I just upload it. <laughs> oh, dear. Listen, um, one thing that has developed, obviously, since last week's uh, award-winning, most listened to ever show, is that they have uh, they've activated the rematch clause for uh, Anthony Joshua, Andy Ruiz. Yes, they have. There's loads of different venues uh, that they're thinking about. Madison mm-hmm. Square Garden is one. Uh, the Millennium Stadium in Cardiff is another. We've been told that people in the Middle East are even bidding for it and all this type of carry-on, right? I'm a little bit worried. Jeddah. Yeah. I, I'm, well, yeah. I'm a little bit worried 
about this rematch. I really am. Yeah, me too. And this is just following on from our conversations last week because I've heard and Bob Adam. Bob's been around well, the game fucking most longer than most of us have been I, born. I, right. Go and listen to the Bob Aram interview, and then hopefully what we're about to say will make a little bit more sense because on our radio show at the weekend, we heard from George Foreman saying the exact same thing. I've heard Lennox Lewis say the exact same thing. We've spoken to Pricey. I've seen Pricey give big interviews this week to big nationals saying the exact same thing. I don't care, right, what anybody connected to that fight is telling you right now. If they are saying to you, there was nothing wrong. Everything was everything was as it should have been. I don't buy it. No. Nope. And I'm not buying it. No. Nope. We have got our own eyes. You watch that ring walk. You watch how passive AJ is during the introductions. You watch how he goes about fighting. That is not a typical Anthony Joshua. There's no. something wrong. Whether it is a physical thing or whether it is a mental thing, there is something wrong. If whatever that thing is, is not fixed for the rematch, the same will happen again. Absolutely the same will happen again. The the issue is that they've got no choice, though. Bob Aram said the exact same thing in they've our chat. They've got no choice. They've got to activate the rematch clause. They've got no choice. They can't, because if they don't, Al Heyman will take Andy Ruiz in another direction. And if Andy Ruiz gets beaten and in the interview, fucking Big Bob told us he probably would. Yeah. Because, listen, for, if you haven't heard, this, heard that interview yet... Bob Am explains that Andy Ruiz fought on top rank cards his entire career until the one before the Joshua fight. He had that one, and then he got the Joshua fight, and he basically said, "Listen, we matched them up with slum bums, and, and he and he couldn't knock them out." I I said it's because he's a, a you know a light puncher, and Bob said no. He corrected me and went, "He can't punch. He's a non-puncher." So that makes it even more alarming how he stopped AJ. Stopped AJ. Stopped him. Dropped them four times, was it? Yeah. And, and effectively made AJ, listen, we, we've said it from day dot, from the morning after the fight when we recorded last week's show, we said that is not, something was wrong with AJ. And now, regardless of the fact that Eddie and the whole team say nothing was wrong, Andy Ruiz was just a better man on the night, is absolute bollocks. It's absolute bollocks. If if AJ had walked in, Zero, you know, fully focused, saluted the crowd the way he usually does, gone about his business the way he had, got caught with that temple shot, not been able to recover, and the fight had kind of played out, and at the end he'd been fucking furious with himself and all that kind of stuff, and then I'd have been like, oh shit, you just got beat by the better guy, got caught by that shot, couldn't recover, I'll sing from the same song sheet, but it's everything around that fight, all the actions around it, his dad going for Eddie Hearn afterwards and all that, it's obvious there's an issue. It's obvious there's something wrong. And they there's no way. It's worth too much money. There's no way they would take a chance, like David Price did when he fought Tony Thompson the second time. What the fuck else am I going to do? Go ahead, I'll rematch him. He had no idea why he'd lost or anything else. He had no... Maybe, maybe it'll just be different the second time around. With AJ, it's different. AJ's a billion-dollar asset. He's, he's, he's the most... He's, he's, he's potentially worth more money in the heavyweight division than anybody else. Well, that's not even potentially. He is. He can't lose again. If he loses again, he's it's fucked. over. It's fucked. The party's finished. There's no more. So there's no way Eddie Hearn and the, and the, and the money men around AJ go, fuck it, man. Let's just do the rematch because we've got no other choice. They've gone, okay, we'll activate the rematch because X, Y, and Z. 
X, Y, and Z. As long as we sort out X, Y, and Z, next time we'll we'll do what we should have done the first time. We'll obliterate them. So yeah, fuck yeah, get the rematch back on. If there was any possible way, if if literally they could look each other in the eyes and go, we all know there was nothing wrong. We just got beat by a better man on the night. Then by now, the coach would have gone, physio would have gone, the nutritionist would have gone. Like there'd have been a fucking mad clear out. Like, and this is what Lennox Lewis is suggesting. Lennox Lewis, like, I got beat. I changed all my shit. I got rid of me high school, fucking, my fourth grade boxing coach. And I brought in Emmanuel Stewart, a professor. And that's how I went to the next level. Because he knew he could... The problem was what he'd been learning, what he'd been taught, what he'd been getting told in the corner wasn't good enough to get to the next level. And that's why he's criticising AJ. Now everyone's, all AJ fanboys are criticising Lennox Lewis. Oh, how dare you have a go? You're just jealous. It's bollocks. It's utter bollocks. It's the former undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. He ain't got it's nothing He's the greatest British boxer in history. So, <laughs> but what people, what, he, what Lennox is doing is he's going, okay, if you're all telling me the truth. If everyone's telling me the truth, there's nothing wrong, everything was fine, Andy Ruiz is just the best guy in the night, if that's the truth, your coach has got to go. That's it. That, and, and I can't believe people are attacking Lennox for that. He's, he's taking everyone at the word. Now, we're different. We're going, Eddie's telling shit. The team are telling shit. Something is wrong because we've seen AJ up close and personal too many times. We've been on this amazing gravy train for too long to accept that that was Anthony Joshua at 100% in New York City. It wasn't. Mm. It absolutely wasn't. And they know that. And we know that because we're not fucking stupid. Mm. And that's why they've activated the rematch. Not because Bob says, oh, they've got it. They've got no other choice. Of course they've got another choice. If he wasn't right, if, the, if Andy Ruiz generally was better than Anthony Joshua and there was a fear it could happen again, realistic fear it could happen again, they would go, listen, AJ's just going to take a bit of time. You crack on, Andy Ruiz Jr. We're going to be back in a year. Do you know why? Because they could. doesn't matter. I know Bob said, oh, you can forget about the world title for a couple of years. Fuck that. Because there's only one guy that does 90,000 arenas. There's only one guy that generates the money AJ does. So even if he fucks off and does a Tyson when he first comes back or a David A and fights a couple of bums yeah, or yeah, whatever, yeah. it's still going to sell out massive arenas. And then you go, you know what? AJ was in a bad place, but we've sorted it out. We're 18 months down the line. Okay, we've got no world title belts, but you know what? We're back and we're bigger than anything before. Let's go. Hmm. We're ready for this, ready for that. And he'll still get the big right. fights because he's AJ. So what you're saying then is that they know behind the scenes that there is something wrong. Definitely. That's why they've activated the clause, because yes. they're going to right those wrongs. Yes. Okay? I can't then imagine this being an unbelievable fight when it's done. I think it's going to be a 12-round snooze fest. I think he'll just jab the kid's head off, if, you're, if what you're saying is true. Yeah. I personally think that it'll happen again. I personally think that Ruiz will get to him again, because you revert to type in those situations, don't you? He's going to want to make a statement. As yeah. a geezer, he's going to want to try and knock that dude out, isn't he? AJ. Yeah, absolutely. AJ's going to try. He's going to want to stop him. He's going to make a statement. He's going to, going to say, listen, fucked up last time. I'm the heavyweight champion of the world. Bang. There's, I've got all my belts back. Let's get cracking on. But when he, when it's not long, when that fight is not at distance, he looks fundamentally flawed against the guy with the quicker hands on the inside. Yeah. Short, sorry, mid to short range. He was nowhere. Mm. Absolutely nowhere. You're telling me they're going to fix that in four months? Yeah. Don't forget, though, Anthony Joshua has fought at a much higher level. Of course. Through the amateurs and the pros. Don't get bought into the fact that Andy Ruiz has got this 100-fight amateur record. It, as To use Bob Adams' words, it's against slum bums. He never went to the Olympic Games. He never fought in major world championship tournaments the way AJ did. And will, will He just knocked out the heavyweight Olympics. champion of the world. 
I agree. He put him down four times. I agree, but not let's let's not start saying now he's the fucking bee's knees. No, I'm not saying he is. I'm not saying he is. What I'm saying is if Anthony Joshua turns up the same Anthony Joshua that we've seen previously, not in New York. The guy that was, you know, fucking dist- I hope so. beat up Klitschko and destroyed Povetkin and all. I hope so. If that guy turns up, Andy Ruiz isn't fit enough to fucking wash his boots. Bob Adam told us that yeah. this weekend. He promoted them as pretty much his entire career. Andy Ruiz is a B-level heavyweight. Don't care what he's just done. He's a B-level heavyweight. It was his night, his moment. However, the problem with AJ is, fundamentally, forget what they're saying. I'm not like Lennox Lewis. I can't just accept it and go, oh, well, shit, he needs to make major changes there. Otherwise, I would be saying that. Otherwise, I'd be going, you're going to have to get rid of your coach. You're going to have to do something. Because, one, you're gassed. The moment got here, you froze on the biggest stage. Like, all these superlatives that you should have put down to Andy Ruiz, that was AJ. AJ was like the little kid in there. AJ was like the guy who was like, oh, what the fuck am I doing here? Oh, my God, Madison Square Garden. Oh, my God, this is amazing. That's AJ. He's supposed to be the world number one. Supposed to be the fucking A side. He froze. Fell apart. Everything went wrong. Now, it's that's the only reason why I think the rematching straight away is because everything went wrong. And next time, don't he need seventy five percent of it to go right? right? UK or back in Madison Square Garden? I think they'll they're going to be pushing like mad to make it UK. Yeah, but, but I what think, should they do? Um, hundred percent UK. Yeah, UK. Different ring walk, different music, different coloured gloves, different coloured shorts. It's a completely different moment. Psychologically, you've got to now break, as you said, you've got to break that walking out Madison Square Garden, white gloves, white shorts, ring music, standing in it, different everything, different everything. I'd give it a whole new feel. He's not my only Joshua, he's an elite athlete. This was the other conversation I've seen in, in the trades especially. This is what happens when an elite athlete gets in there with a fighter. Andy Ruiz is a fighter. He's fucking certainly not an athlete. You only have to look at him to see that. But he's a fighter. He's a fighting man. Mm. Anthony Joshua is an athlete who became a fighter. There's a massive difference. When it went into the trenches, when, when one guy got dropped up, he got up, he bit on his gum shield and went, fucking let's have it. Whereas the athlete didn't do that. Now, that's not to say the athlete can't do that and hasn't got the hunger to do it. Because no, fuck me, it he did it against Klitschko. So we know he can do it. But the hunger wasn't there against Ruiz. When he got dropped against Ruiz, the temple shot, I know it was bad, you know, whatever, it can mess up your equilibrium and all that stuff. Listen, drink from whatever Kool-Aid you like. But at some point, he had to bite down on his gum shield and go, I will not lose my titles here tonight. Mm. And he didn't do that. Now, for some reason, his mindset has changed from when he got dropped by Klitschko and he fucking absolutely did do that. Maybe he does need to be in the UK. And you know what? Eddie Hearn, because of Joshua's selling power, because of the contract, they still have the prime position to go, it's going to come to the UK. But I think they're going to have to pay Andy Ruiz Jr. a lot more than 10 million quid. Mm, he wants 40. He's, to- he's already talking about 40. You know, people are going, fucking, you haven't got a clue. You haven't got a clue. It's in the contract. Contracts ain't worth shit. This is professional sports. You just tear that contract up and go, okay, well, I'll go and get 40 million then to fight Deontay Wilder. If you pay me 40 million, or I can get 10 against Deontay Wilder in Mexico City. Okay, take the belt then. Mm. Eddie Ayn doesn't own the belts. Eddie Ayn owns the contract. So Andy Ruiz Jr. is in a fantastic position. I do think it will happen next. I do think it will be November, December. It'll definitely be here in the UK or Millennium Stadium, as you say. Um, but talking to Spurs as well, Spurs new ground. It can only be, only be that they know the X, Y and Z of why he lost. Behind mm. closed doors, they know why. Mm. Otherwise, as you said, it's the biggest stupidest mistake in boxing mm. and they're not that stupid there's too much money at stake mm. they are not that Eddie is not that daft 
they know what the problem was and they know to change X, Y, and Z to make sure what happens the second time is what we all expected the first time. We'll have more uh, on that throughout the course of the week because we've got a, a little bit of a sit-down with Frank Warren whilst we're out in Las Vegas. Uh, so we'll be sticking that up on our feed this week so make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Uh, we'll get a load more. I'm sure Blake Bob, he'll be very... Yeah, I'll upset. try and get Tyson Fury's thoughts on it as well, see what he's got to say on it. Um, <laughs> so make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Uh, one thing that Bob did tell us, by the way, regarding uh, our, well, my boy, Teofimo Lopez, mm. who we spoke to at the weekend, really interesting um, way that this could play out because he, he confirmed that contracts are actually signed for this path. So as you know, top-ranked fighters, Teofimo Lopez, Vasil Lomachenko. Now, Vasil Lomachenko is going to be fighting uh, Luke Campbell. We're led to believe that that is going to be in London on August the 31st. That is for three of the belts in this particular division. Loma holds two of them. The WBC one is vacant, so they're fighting that night. Um, should Loma come through that, he has already signed a contract to fight whoever is the IBF champion at the start of next year in yes. 2020 to unify this division. Now, the way that that's going to play out is that Teofimo Lopez is fighting his eliminator against Nakatani. He comes through that. Hopefully he does. He then will go on to fight the winner of Comi versus Beltran, both top-ranked fighters. So the IBF championship then will be owned at some point by a top-ranked fighter, whether it's Teofimo, whether it's Comi, or whether it's Beltran. Therefore, the winner of that will go on to fight Vasil Lomachenko at the start of next year. And according to Bob, those contracts are done, signed, sealed, delivered. The only thing that can fuck this up is if Luke Campbell comes along and does Vasil Lomachenko for three of those belts. I've no doubt that Luke Campbell will want to fight for the Undisputed Championship of the World, but but the contract is not done for that part of it. That's the only thing that can mess it up if Luke Campbell beats Loma. But as you say, if Luke does beat Loma, Luke might go, yeah, man, I'll fight your IBF champ as well. I'm sure he would. If you beat Lomachenko, why would you not fight one of the other lads? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Well, you'd, you'd be on cloud nine for a while because you'd be the world number one. One thing that Tiafimo did say, though, that could play against him is that he is starting to struggle with that weight. He was consistently yeah. hitting 134. Well, he these three fights, that's it. And then yeah, I'm... he's now filling out at 135. He just hopes that he can... He's, he's had two nutritionists for his next fight against Nakatani. He just hopes that he can get through... Two nutritionists? Well, how the fuck does that even work? I Why do you know. need two? I don't know. One to do veg, one to do meat. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, he hopes that he can get through these three fights in order to fight for the undisputed uh, lightweight championship of the world. That would be amazing. It will be amazing. Tia Fimo versus Vasil Lomachenko. Two more socks needed that night, let okay, me tell you. Know. One for the balls. You're going to have to have one on the balls there. It, it's good the way Bob's like planning the future of the lightweight division, yeah, but that's man. what you can do when you've own, you and you've got all these top rank fighters. As you say, the only one that can throw a spanner in the works is uh, Luke Campbell. Is Luke Campbell, and then of course, if Luke Campbell beats Lomachenko, there's a potential fight against uh, my boy Devin Haney as well um, over on the matchroom banner. So you never know. Did you like the way best that, laid plans? Did you like the way that Tiafimo addressed Devin Haney? Because we brought it up. We said, what do you reckon of his performance? Because he's got one of the knockouts of the year. No question about that. And Tia Fimo went, nah. <laughs> said he was, just said the opponent was garbage, really, yeah, didn't shite. he? Absolute yeah, shite. Absolute shite. That's how we <laughs> worded it as well. Um, just before we move on to talking about the fights this week over in Las Vegas and Leeds and obviously what's going on in Riga with the World Boxing Super Series, just want to bring up Zab Judah because oh, yeah. uh, I'm Heart sure breaking. people have, uh, have seen that news. He was fighting uh, Friday night at 41 years of age, still doing, still doing bits. He was stopped, I think it was in the 10th, 11th, 11th round. Um, Clinton Selden for the NABF. Why is he still fighting for titles age 41? No idea. But he's uh, obviously now in uh, hospital because he had a bleed on the brain. I'm led to believe that he's not in a coma and he is talking. Yeah. He is recovering. 
uh, and we send him all our best. So I'm sure every fight disciple does. Yeah, uh, listen, I know he's got he's had a checkered past, and he was he was Broner before Broner, wasn't he? He was the he was the bad boy of boxing, but he had some fucking incredible career performances back in the, back at his peak. Do you know what I mean? I'm talking about now. Uh, against Spinks and Clotty and obviously Mayweather. Mayweather, the incident was hilarious. Remember, he tried to insert the stool in Jay Nady, the referee, and just just crazy days. Funny you should mention Devin Haney there. Devin Haney, he, Zab Judah's Devin Haney's godfather. Wow. So they're really close, you know. Uh, he's been a part of Devin Haney's really growth in the sport and everything else. When he was a kid, Devin Haney would go to all Zab Judah's fights and he would be part of his camps and everything else. So... You know, there's a real lineage there, if you like. So I know Devin Haney was pretty cut up about it, but just following his social media, it seems that Zab is he's obviously in the best place. And and again, I know he's had a checkered past, and I know the Nady thing and and so many other incidents during his career. But what people, a lot of people, may not know is that Zab Judah, since his quasi retirement from boxing, I think he's had three fights in the last three years. But yeah. prior to that, he was retired for a few years. He's been working as a nurse in a hospital, mm. you know, and you know he seemed to have his life together, and it's only now he's kind of come back into boxing and having this one fight a year thing, which, again, you know, you look at who's promoting these fights, you know, it's not like fucking Bob Arum or yeah. anyone, anyone decent's promoting them. These are these are regional promotions throwing money at these former legends to try and bring them out and. There's a difference fighting age 41 when you're Zab Judah, who's had a tough career and had you know, big losses on the big stage and been away from it and then dipping back in to, to sell your name and, and being like Golovkin, who's okay, he's fucking neat, he's racing towards 40, yet he's still a full-time athlete. He's still training every day. And Golovkin is the same age as me, racing towards racing 40. Racing towards 40. Well, actually, I said it. Actually, I'm a year older than Golovkin. There you go. He's You're 30. practically 40. No, he's 37, 40. I'm 38. Listen, you, you calm yourself you down. He's not, racing, he's not racing towards... He's, he's, he's slowly hey, getting there. You fucking tell your hairline you're not racing towards 40. Mate, that's all I'm going to say. you could have told him that at 28. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but of course, we all think about... We're all, all positive thoughts towards Zab Judah, of course. Mm. Uh, this weekend, uh, there's a lot of fights to get stuck into. After uh, a week where you couldn't watch anything on television, there's uh, enough to get stuck into this week. Uh, I'm going to start with the World Boxing Super Series, if I may, because the last time out, uh, we had a wonderful time in Glasgow, didn't we? Josh Taylor lit the gaff up. Uh, in new way, gave us something to talk about. And this weekend, uh, the bigger boys are having a little bit of a go as well. Riga, Latvia is the destination. Bredis versus Glowacki for the vacant WBC belt and the WBO. I love the way that this has come about just in time for this fight at the weekend, right? Because two weeks ago, neither of these were champions, okay? Um, Glowacki was the interim WBO. Then all of a sudden... Um, they've obviously gone over to uh, Mr. Usyk and said, listen, mate, are you 100% staying up at heavyweight? You're going to have this knockout heavyweight? We need you to vacate those belts if you wouldn't mind. Yeah. So he has done. He vacated his WBO belt. WBO champion, interim champion was then upgraded to become the WBO world well, champion. Well, is the WBC diamond anyway. Well, this is it, you see. So therefore, the WBC belt is now vacant and on the line for this particular fight. Yes. So you've got a unification. WBC, WBO belts on the line for Bredis versus Glowacki. I think it'll be a great fight. Out of the two uh, fights this weekend, Dotikus and Tabiti, uh, obviously uh, involved in this as well. Out of the two, I'm going to say uh, that I think there will be a more conclusive ending in the Bredis Glowacki fight. I just, I really like Bredis. I really do. I think, yeah, I, I think, think it's because the business. Well, it's because of the performance, obviously, for these two same belts as well. WBC and WBO were on the line when he fought uh, Alexander Usyk in last in the last tournament uh, in last year. So that's why. 
I think most people fancy Breeders. Plus, it's home turf for them. This Riga lap. Yeah. Year. Last time the World Boxing Super Series that were there for the Usyk fight, the atmosphere was absolutely unbelievable. I think speaking to um, you know the, the guys involved with the World Boxing Super Series said that that it was the best. Uh, events that they did of yep. last year's tournament was going to Riga, so no surprise that they're going back. Home home advantage, first, you know, another shot at the world title belt. I think it's a massive opportunity for them, and I think the the Latvians come out in force to support Breedis, so I think he, I, I think you're right. I think he'll steal the show. Expect Dortigas to get through the other, Do you? other side as well. You yeah. see, I'm, th- I'm kind of on to beat his side a little bit uh, with, that, yeah. with that other fight. Yeah, I think it'll be raised. The reason why I said I think the the top of the bill, British versus Glowacki, will be a bit more conclusive because I think the other one will be tight as a fucking duck's ass. Oh, no, I don't. Do you not? You I, reckon Dortikos is going to start, Jim? I think Dortikos and Tabiti are just going to start swinging for the fences just because that's what they do. They're both massive punchers, aren't yes. they? And that's the only way I can see it playing out, to be honest with you. I think it was Gassiev outworked, out, outworked him, didn't he? Yeah, Dortikus a little bit, but I just think his height and his range. I think him and Tabiti measure up a bit better. I think that's who lands first. Out. Yeah, I think it's a punch out. Yeah, what a wonderful way to start your weekend, uh, consuming a bit of boxing. So there you go. Get stuck into that world boxing super series in Latvia. Brady's with Glowacki, Dortikus versus Tabiti, and then you've got Leeds. Leeds, 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 Leeds. Leeds. Uh, on the undercard, JJ Metcalf. So get my scarf out, won't I? From the uh, oh, you're half and half. My scarf out from the fucking Frampton fight. Do you remember when I, I, I finished the night with a Leeds United scarf on? Someone yeah. had thrown from the back at me in the back of the head. In the squad, I was um, right in then. Uh, there's a couple of nice little fights on the undercard. JJ Metcalf, mate of ours. Yeah, he's fighting Jason Wellborn, former which... world title contender. Absolutely, Jason Wellborn, who I saw in LA last year fighting Jarrett Hurd. Yeah, he and was he... brilliant that and night he had as a well. Fucking right, go. Let me T- tell for you, for two or three rounds, he was great. Yeah, he was. Um, this is for the Commonwealth uh, Super Welterweight title. Great fight, that. It's a cracker, you know. And think, as you say, Wellborn's coming off a. Okay, he got beat out in the world title fight against Jarrett here, but certainly no shame in that. Uh, he was he was great that night. He did what every British, any underdog world title contender, never mind British, actually should do. Let's get in. Throw here. the kitchen sink in it. Throw the fucking throw everything. Yeah, throw heavy lever, and he give it a good old go. And I think you know what, confidence wise, that will his confidence should be through the roof here. He's coming back down to domestic level to take on my mate JJ, who, if you don't know, is the, the son of uh, former Liverpool world champion or WBU champion Shane Neary. Um, so, uh, and JJ is literally a chip off the old block. Looks like Shay, moves like Shay, fights like him. Super tough, super brave. Um, I know he's had a bit of a knock in this fight camp, which hasn't been ideal, but that seems to have plagued all of JJ's fight camps, unfortunately. And he's in a position now where he can't afford to pull out a fight. So he mm. goes down for the Commonwealth Super Welterweight belt. Um, and I, I think it comes down to Metcalf's heart and desire and pace against the fact that Jason Wellborn, confidence-wise, will feel he can outbox him. So uh, do you know what? I think it could be an absolute cracker. Styles think- make fights. I love that. I love that the, you're in for a bit of a treat this weekend. If you decided not to come over to Las Vegas Wears for Tyson Fury, you're going up to Leeds uh, to the first direct arena. The main event is going to be something else. We were lucky enough to speak to both men at the weekend. Both of them are just saying the right things. There's a bit of, there is an awful amount of respect between them. It's not, there is a bit of trash talk, but there's respect in that trash talk. And they're saying the right things. I, I can't see this not being brilliant. There'll be pockets of this fight where you're absolutely locked in because I don't think it's going to be a one-way street. I really don't. 
Barry is awkward. Kid Galahad is yep. awkward as they fucking come. Yeah, and it's going to take some real ring IQ just to figure it out if Josh is going to come through this. I think Josh will come through this because I think his pace, his energy, everything about him with this momentum, the way he was speaking at the weekend, that he's not taking this fight lightly. The rocket up the ass that every fight has probably been given since AJ's defeat. I think he'll come through it, but I think he'll come through it on points. I can't see a stoppage because I just think Barry is a little bit too awkward. It's going to take a little bit of time to get to grips with him, I think, in the fight. Yeah. I um, put it this way. I think if if Naz is ringside for this fight, I think we could see an upset. Do you? I think, I think Barry is... So, you know, he's ingrained with that Winko Bank style, which you're right. Is and the way he's talking, awkward. man, he's talking well. He's super confident. Um, this is the this is Naz's old IBF World Featherweight Championship belt. Naz was the big inspiration behind Barry. You know, it was Naz that told him to go and work with Brendan, told him to go to the Winko Bank gym. Um, and I think if Naz is ringside, you could just see Barry, I can just see Barry going to the next level, literally just having one of those kind of nights where he could beat anybody in the world. Do you think I he could see that playing Do out. you think he can stop Josh? No. You think he can outbox him, though? Yeah, I just think Josh Warrington, especially on home turf, you ain't stopping that kid. But I think he can. He could be outboxed. However, that said, I want to I wanna go on officially to oh, say... Oh, here he is. Like, this is what you call, for anybody that's new to this podcast, this is what you call hedging your bet. <laughs> All right? <laughs> Listen to what he just said. Barry could outbox him, but here we go. <laughs> Talk about sitting on the fucking fence. Here we go. But I want to go to Vegas with Warrington. That's what you were going about to say, weren't you? No, do you know what? What I will say is... Go I've, on, I've, go on, say it. I've gone against Josh Warrington yeah. for his last two fights, both Selby and Frampton. I said... So. Most people did, though. I know. And I'm, I'm, I am part of most people. Yeah, yeah. However... After he beat Frampton that night when I was in Manchester Arena with a lead scarf round my neck, you're in the squad. Thinking, let's go to let's go to Las Vegas. Um, I made a little promise to myself that I would not back against Josh Warrington ever again because he proved me wrong again. And I thought I will never doubt this kid again because his heart, his desire, his boxing ability, yeah. which is totally and utterly undervalued. Yeah. He's a fantastic boxer. His punch power. Speaks volumes now. Look at look at his punch power. Later stage of his career. Don't look at the early stuff. Look well, at the that's later it. Stuff. People will look at those records and they'll only see six knockouts on that record. And they'll exactly. cut, they'll have a look at Barry. A very similar amount of fights. I think he's had two more fights actually. He's had as, more. Uh, no, Kid Galahad. No, he's had two less. Twenty six. He's, he's had, had two less fights. So twenty eight and twenty six. Uh-huh. But he's had more knockouts in that twenty six, hasn't he? He's a lot he? more, a lot more stoppages. Yeah. So there you go. 60-70% The record would say that the powers with Barry. Yes, but when you look at who Warrington has knocked out compared to, you know, he fought a lot of journeymen who were professionals that not getting knocked out. So, um, and for that reason, I, I, I can't. Again, if Naz is there, if Naz is ringside, he will be there. It's going to be special, and it would not shock me if we've seen something special from Kid Galahad, Chandler's in a Nazim. You know, the spectre of Brendan passing away 12 months ago. All that kind of stuff is there. The, the, the narrative for a Kid Galahad victory is there, ready to be written. However, Josh Warrington is a one-man wrecking machine and he is so focused on this fight. He, he, we spoke to him the weekend and he, and he won't accept yet talk of Leo Santa Cruz and Valdez and Oscar Marez. He won't accept that conversation yet because he knows he hasn't punched his ticket yet. He's got to punch this fella's lights out to punch that ticket and to get us all the Warrington army 
to Las Vegas. Or Get to us all the one in tsunami. Look at him. He's just backed the other guy. <laughs> just said the other guy's going to box his ears off if Nas is in the house. <laughs> so don't be surprised if Warrington comes on strong and you know what? Even stops Galahad down the stretch. There you go, right? So Galahad's going to box his ears off, but he's going to end up getting stopped by Warrington. There you go. That's conclusive for you. <laughs> That's what might happen. <laughs> So next week, I'm not going to say next on the week. Warrington's going to win 115, 113. There next, you go. Next done. week, just edit whichever bit yeah. plays out yeah. and play that for me. <laughs> just have, Nick nailed week. it. Nick nailed it. Here we go. Oh, there you go. Nick's absolutely nailed that. <laughs> Should be a good night. If you are if going, I was to Josh that. Warrington. I would be paying the local taxi fame to whoever picks Naz up, take him the long way to the arena. Yeah. In fact, get lost. Stress him out. You know, base tire. Get him out. Don't do not let Naz walk into that arena in mm. Leeds. Mm. Uh, Las Vegas is where I will be so this is perfect for me this I can get up have my Cocoa Pops on a Saturday because of the time difference round about lunchtime one o'clock I can just get a little bit of a DAZN feed or a little bit of a ESPN top yeah. rank feed out there or whatever it is that it'll be on it'll be on ESPN won't it's it on be ESPN. a top rank it's on ESPN plus get me ESPN there sit down over some chicken wings watching a little bit of the boys going at it in Leeds then I can go for a little swim at the MGM you know what I mean get a bit of a tan on for the main event is chicken wings like a code word for something no like a massage or something. Happy finish with me more sock. <laughs> I'll watch that. Then I'll do uh, do me early evening entertainment and stroll on into the MGM uh, for a little bit of Tyson Fury action. Listen, the fight at the weekend, Tyson Fury, Tom Schwartz. I can't see it being flames. I really can't. But what I can see is Tyson Fury just reiterating the fact that he is the best boxing heavyweight on the planet. Yeah. I think... You're not going to see him messing about. I don't think you're going to see him showboating too much. I think you're going to see him box this kid's ears off. And I genuinely believe, from what I'm hearing from a lot of people that have been in and around camp, I think he's going to stop the lad. I don't think we're going the distance. I think Tyson Fury is going to get a stoppage victory at the weekend, probably mid to late rounds. Wow. It's a big show for a man that's never been stopped, never been beat. You're saying he's going to get stopped. I think we're going to get a moment at the weekend where people are going to go, he's the fucking man. Yeah, I think a lot of people are saying that now anyway. I think certainly yeah, with AJ's Yeah, well, Ring Magazine demise. have made him the number one, haven't they? But yeah. I think what most people would say this weekend, Tyson Fury's fights aren't exciting. So you're going to watch this at the weekend and he's just going to box his kids' ears off for 12 rounds and he's going to get a wide points decision and everybody's going to go on going, Meh. right? I think he's going to finish the kid. I think he'll stop him mid to late rounds. Mm-hmm. You disagree. I can tell on your face. Um, no, do you know what? I'd love to see the stoppage, of course. You know, I... I I, I uh, agree with Ring Magazine for once and that I, th- I think Tyson Fury, and I've said it for a while, is the number one heavyweight in the world. Um, and I think Tom Schwartz is just the kind of opponent who's going to be ballsy enough and gonna, and is undefeated enough to arrive in, in Las Vegas and, and fancy an upset. And why shouldn't he? After no, what Andy Ruiz is just absolutely. You know, you've got absolutely nothing to lose out there. But um, I think Tyson Fury's really announced himself to the American audience after the performance against Deontay Wilder and all the TV stuff he's been doing. And this is such a huge opportunity for him. And I think Tom Schwartz is absolutely the perfect opponent. Uh, a guy that's going to be game enough to let his hands go, but yeah. he's not got anywhere near the boxing ability of Tyson Fury. I would love to see a late stoppage. I see a, a very wide point victory myself, but I would love to see a point stoppage because it'd be fucking awesome for Tyson really to just to just nail this victory. But, you know, if, if Andy Ruiz Jr. is not ringside, I'll be gutted. 
because this is this is the business we're in, man. He should have, they should be paying for his flights and hotel and his Snickers and a couple of grand at the tables for afterwards to get Andy Ruiz and his entourage to Las Vegas to be ringside, just to let the world know who the biggest star in boxing is. Because mm. it's, I'm telling you now. Tyson Fury is the number one. Just on the undercard, Sullivan Barrera is taking on Jesse Hart. For me, I think Sullivan Barrera would take care of him quite comfortably. Jesse Hart is uh, he's a career middleweight, really, stepping up. I think size-wise, Barrera it's should. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a light heavyweight. Uh, Sullivan Barrera should, uh, should take care of him. But we've seen some crazy things in boxing recently. I'm looking forward to that fight. Just as a little bit of an aperitif uh, before uh, the ring walk of Tyson Fury. A uh, little bit of Fury's on fire. You know what I mean? 10,000 travelling fans in the MGM Grand. It's yeah. going to be an eventful week this week. We're them lot out there, innit? It is. It's going to be awesome. And you know what? I'm, I'm gutted I'm not out there. Obviously, I can't be out there, but I'm gutted I'm not. Just because after going to the Vegas with with Ricky Hatton's travelling army two or three times during my uh, earlier days, um, the, there's nothing quite like it when Vegas is full of Brits on the piss just fucking having a great time. What are you talking about? I'm working. Yeah, so you go into yeah, you go into like pretty much every casino and it's just Brits on poker tables and in bars and just fucking, you know, asking where the brass house is. <laughs> it's just bonkers. Where's the best brass house, mate? Uh, and that's just the Scousers. But, uh, you know, going to shoot, all the shooting ranges in Vegas are full of Brits shooting shotguns and shit, thinking the Dirty Harry and it's just wicked. It's just got this weird vibe about it. And Tyson's, you know, Tyson's fucking ace, isn't he? You know, who doesn't love Tyson Fury, for Christ's sake? And uh, I think it'll be a hell of a party afterwards, man. It's going to be good. Uh, Thank you very much for listening to us. If you could subscribe, that would be great. You could do it on iTunes. You can also get Android feeds on our website, fightdisciples.com. We are all over social media, at Fight Disciples on Facebook and Twitter, and at The Fight Disciples on Instagram. I encourage you to follow all those feeds this week, because like I said, we're in Vegas uh, we're doing some stuff with the UFC as well this week, which Nick's do. We'll talk about that on our MMA show. You'll be able to uh, get loads of different bits of content, whether it be video, whether it be more interviews, all different types of stuff coming your way. We will catch you next time. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.